0: Nothing is quite like watching a Blue Jackets-Penguins game for me. Um, I'm excited. I'm standing most of the game. Every moment of it, I'm just on the edge of my, my seat and my nerves on what will happen when they win. I'm as high as I can be when they lose. It, it feels like my soul has been crushed. And and those games are just have that extra something in it for me. Now, if you're looking for a way to get that little extra excitement in any game or or you're wanting to look at a way of of saying, hey, I think I understand hockey better than than other people, and you want to look at turning that into a little bit of cash. Uh, We've got our friends here at the the Hockey Podcast Network at mybookie.ag. Now, the guys at mybookie.ag, they give you so many ways to win, so many games to play, everything from obviously picking winners and losers to picking division winners to picking who's going to win a cup or just prop bets like who's going to score the next goal, all sorts of stuff. MyBookie has the best payouts and better odds than a lot of sportsbooks do. You can risk a lot or as little on as many games as you want, so it really fits what you want to do with it. Now, And with Christmas around the corner, there's daily gifts, free plays, free spins, a lot more on the site there. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. That means if you deposit $100, you'll get an extra $50 to play with. Deposit $200, you get an extra $100. You get it. Just use the promo code TH. PN as in The Hockey Podcast Network THPN to activate the offer and take advantage of this great deal visit mybookie.ag today you play you win you get money this is the shoot once podcast i'm frank walker and welcome back to the shoot once podcast a proud member of the hockey podcast network Thank you guys for tuning in again uh, th- this this week, or this, this Sunday for this episode, or I guess Monday when you're listening to it there. I'm going to jump right in, because we've got a really cool uh, segment for you today that's going to be uh, the majority of the episode where we talk with the guys from uh, Blue and Gold Make Darlene about the Buffalo Savers. But jumping right into what we normally do on the show here, starting off with looking at Dom Leschusian's rankings from The Athletic. Uh, the Blue Jackets, holding strong at a 62% chance to make the playoffs, uh, projected to finish 90- with 97.9 points. Uh, how he has, how he's looking at these teams right now, it's interesting. He's got them at a 62% chance to make the playoffs, but he does have them finishing sixth in the Metro. So it's it's one of those things where the Blue Jackets are taking a lot of percentage points from the fact that there's just... Uh, he doesn't have a, a great projection for the, the Panthers. Um, so there's extra percentage there to split between the three teams. And there's really not a lot of difference between uh, the Blue Jackets, the Hurricanes, and the Flyers at this point. He's uh, got the Flyers at 68%, the Hurricanes at 65 and the Blue Jackets at 62%. So we're in a, we're in a uh, you know, just right in the middle of it all right now. And and what's crazy is, I mean, the Blue Jacks have been on this huge run as far as just getting points in so many games that, you know, they lost to the Avalanche the other night in a game they didn't pick up a point. But they're still just right on the edge of the playoff race. I mean, nothing is assured at this point. Looking at the playoff picture as of today, they're third in the Metro, 69 points. Now, part of the difficulty there is they've got 56 games played. The Islanders have 68 points. They're only one point behind the Blue Jackets, but have three games in hand. So, if the Islanders take care of their own business, the Blue Jackets would fall into a play into a wild card spot. Now, where things get different is when you go on down because Carolina's at 55 games, so a game in hand, but two points behind the Jackets, and three less regulation overtime wins. So even if they get a regulation overtime win to tie in points, they'll lose the tiebreaker. Philadelphia is in pretty much the exact same spot with just less regulation and overtime wins, so that if they get that. If they get, you know, in game 56, they get a win to get them to 69 points. They still won't have the regulation overtime wins. Uh, Florida is down to 64 points at this time. Uh, Now, they have 54 games played, so they've got a couple games in hand. If you're the Florida Panthers right now, though, you're probably eyeing more the third spot in the Atlantic, which right now is held by Toronto at 56 games played at 66 points. So, uh, and less regulation uh, and overtime wins than the Panthers. Oh, no, they've got more regulation wins than the Panthers do. So that's the that's the big difference there. Um, yeah, so that's the big difference there. I'm, I'm, I'm spacing out for a second because they have a different column for regulation wins and regulation or overtime wins. And that's how it's determined kind of in, in uh, order there. So if you're Florida, you're trying to get into that. So watching Florida and Tampa, or Florida and Toronto is going to be interesting for how this all breaks down too, because they're still in it theoretically Montreal is but Montreal's problem is they've only got 57 or they've only got 61 points but they've got 57 games played. So even the Jackets have a game in hand over them and are up um by a you know by 9 points on them. So I mean right now the next closest team Montreal to get the wild card spot right now would have to have six more points and and have two game you know and or two games have have played more than two games more than the, the last team in the wild card, so it's going to be tricky for them to make a real run at anything right now. and And I just don't know if they're good enough to do it. Um. So since since we've talked to you last, the Blue Jackets played the Red Wings and the Avalanche, and and played really well, in my opinion. Uh, it's it's one of those things where, yes, they lost to the to the Avalanche, which was bad, but. When you look at the underlying numbers for the games, and when you watch the games, just just again, the eye test and when you saw them, the, the underlying numbers and the eye test really match up in these games. Uh, at 5-on-5, five five, score and venue adjusted. Against the Red Wings, the Blue Jackets at 65% Corsi. So they dominated play there. Uh, expected goals for 79%. And against the Avalanche, the numbers weren't quite as overwhelming. At, at Corsi, they were only at about 50.83%, so close to even at 5-on-5. Five five. But... At expected goals for, they had 66.67%. They really did a better job creating more scoring chances than the Avalanche did. Uh, it, especially in that Avalanche game, the goals the Avalanche got were just, they were uncharacteristic of Elvis. Normally he makes saves on some of those long shots like that that went in. It, it was the kind of game that when it was over, you just, you didn't, Columbus had their chances to win it, and they just didn't. And that's where that, that's where that game is frustrating. Uh, It's the kind of game that when you're done looking at it, I went and looked at the, you know, who deserved to win. and I think the Blue Jackets were like 70 or 80 percent of what happened there. So they really did outplay the Avalanche. Now, that being said, the Blue Jackets had all these chances over the Red Wings, all these chances where they were better than the Avalanche. Yet in those two games combined, they score three goals, one of them being an empty netter against the Red Wings. Columbus is looking at their schedule this week, and they see Tampa Bay on Monday. And at the end of the week, Buffalo and the uh, the Rangers. Two games that I think you can argue they should win, the Buffalo and the Rangers. But those That's a back-to-back, so that's tricky. And then Tampa, a team that is really good, that's going to come into Columbus wanting to win because they remember last year. And so you've got to start scoring goals. In that vein, Columbus made a very interesting choice today. They recalled Liam Fowdy from the from the London Knights, a CHL player, player from the player from the Ontario Hockey League, which is rare. This isn't something that happens very often. Uh, and the situation in this is, I mean, Liam Fowdy was going to go to Traverse City and play in the prospects game for the Jackets and all that, but he was hurt, um, so he got sent back down to London in his overage year to essentially have another year of development where he wasn't necessarily at the AHL level yet. Now, this is a unique situation. As far as the NHL being able to recall players from the Canadian League, Hockey League, League. I'm looking at Portsline's article in The Athletic for it, which I know a lot of people are... <laughs> I, I saw something Portsline reported this week that was strange. A lot of people were like, "Ah, oh, quit listening to him. And I, I get it to an extent, guys, but at the same time, Portsline... Porcelain is the definition of what we call access journalism, which is he's just been there a long time. He knows a lot of people and he pretty much gets the story the club wants out there, which I know for a lot of you. You're like, that just means he's a mouthpiece for them. You're not entirely wrong. Now, there are times where he questions what they do, but there's other times where he's just kind of relaying the story that's being told to him. And there's value in finding that out. Um, I think, as we all know, the people who tend to break stories aren't the people who are there every day. The people who don't need to have, whose friends they have, or people like at league offices, or people who are making the trades in other places, or different—it's different. But he had some good information on this one. Essentially, there's three situations where the Blue Jackets could recall Liam Foudy. Now, from what I understand, the Blue Jackets actually have met two of the three conditions. The three are: the NHL club currently has two players on the roster under emergency recall, meaning the recalled players, the third emergency recall. Uh, the junior club season is finished, or it comes at a time that is quote that is not inconvenient to the junior club, meaning he won't miss a bunch of games. Apparently, it's under that third condition that the Blue Jackets are recalling, him, or at least that's what the official paperwork is going to say. Although I believe the Blue Jackets do meet the condition for that first one, uh, that they are there are two players under emergency recall currently. Um, if I'm looking at this right I believe Andrew Peak was brought up under an emergency recall although he stayed because he was hurt um, now Kevin Stenlin's being sent down but I even think Nathan gerby was brought up in an emergency recall I believe there are multiple players that were brought up on that under that that provision um, and so it makes it I, I think they, they meet multiple players Parts of that. Um, Now, part of this is Liam Fowdy is a guy I think the Blue Jackets have high hopes for. He's a very skilled player. He's been playing wing for the most part, but he can play center. We'll see. I mean, it's a high ask for his first event to come in and be a center at the NHL level, especially against Tampa. But there are times where... Where a player will come in and and, and will somehow you know kind of kind of surprise you in that first set of games, we've seen that in the past. Uh, the one that comes to mind most recently is Alexander Tessier, Texier. he came in and played great in the playoffs last year. year. Just really lit it up. And then coming into this season, I mean, obviously he got hurt later, but he started off not at that same pace. He looked pretty good in a lot of times, but he just didn't have that same pace to him as far as scoring. Who knows? Maybe they think they're going to catch lightning in a bottle. Maybe they think they're going to catch this kid on his best initial chance. Maybe it's just that the team saw an opportunity and decided to take it. Um, it, It's possible looking at this, they might have, I mean, because we've seen a lot of the AHL guys, and maybe they looked at all the HL guys and they're like, you know what? Just, you know, Ryan McInnes, he's fine, but maybe they thought, you know what? Let's give this kid a shot. Let's really see what he can do. So I'm interested to see what happens here. Uh, I know a lot of people aren't super happy with this decision, but I'm finding it interesting. I think it's outside the box thinking. Uh, it, it'll be Interesting. Uh, to see what's going on here, to see how this plays out. So, so tomorrow night's game is going to be an interesting one. I'm I'm very excited to see what happens. Now, at this point, we're going to transition into the the conversation we have with the guys over from uh, Blue and Gold Make Darlene. Hope you enjoy. It. We had a fun conversation. You'll hear me reference it throughout the throughout the conversation a little bit. When I originally set this up with them, uh, there was kind of a stink in in Buffalo about a, a winger they have, Sam Reinhardt, a guy who's played center. And then, you know, uh, some confrontation he had with the media and then the people saying he wasn't playing hard, and all of a sudden trade rumors started up. And I kind of thought, I wonder if I could talk to these guys, see what they're actually thinking for a trade. And the more the conversation went, the more I thought, eh, this isn't, you'll, you'll hear it here, but the more I'm like, eh, this isn't really what I thought it would be. But but we have a good conversation. I learn a lot about the Buffalo Sabres, and and it's a good example of why the Hockey Podcast Network is great, because if you have these other teams that you want to learn more about. If you subscribe to the hockey podcast network feed to listen to my show, you can go listen to all theirs. Uh, and if you don't necessarily want to get all of them, a lot of them will also do uh, individual feeds, but Hey, go subscribe to the hockey podcast network feed, get all these shows, listen to the ones you want. Um, kind of the nice thing about having, you know, with your podcast app, you can be like oh, only download this many, you only keep some for this long a time. Cause we all have new shows come out twice a week. So it's fun. Do appreciate you all for listening uh enjoy the enjoy the uh enjoy the uh the discussion we have with them and go jackets welcome everyone to the shoot once podcast uh brennan and taylor from blue and gold make Darlene. uh we're gonna have some some fun conversation about the buffalo sabers welcome to the show guys hey,
1: hey thank you so much for having us yeah thanks for having us
0: all right um so it, from the perspective of guys who watch all the Sabres games you're you're seeing every game watching all the players reading all the stories
2: unfortunately
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's been a rough go recently like a, from a big picture perspective where do you guys see this team right now
2: well I... That's, that's such a loaded question. <laughs> so when, when the season started off, of course, um, the Sabres were at the top of league standings. We got off to a great start, really exceeding expectations. Um, all of us, you know, Sabres fans anticipated that obviously there would be a fall from that. Um, just because coming into the season, the outlook was really going to be, you know, optimistically speaking, you're going to be in the hunt for a wild card spot, um, playing meaningful games in March, uh, and just the, the wheels have come off since then. Um, you know, Jason Botterill coming into this year really needed to make some, some big moves, to be honest, to kind of change the course of, of what this season was going to be compared to last. Um, uh, one of the big issues on our end is that he just chose to brought back a lot of the majority of the team from last year. Um, he made, you know, a handful of additions without really making any significant subtractions at all. Um you know, we have, we brought in Henry Yoki Haru, who has been for Alex Nylander in that deal with Chicago. He has been excellent for us thus far. Um, one of the few bright spots of this season. Uh, another one of the off season pickups, Colin Miller, um, for whatever reason, he was getting healthy scratched a little bit, you know, through December and January, but as of late has seemingly turned into the player who the Sabres thought they were acquiring when they made that deal with Vegas um, you know, otherwise, I mean, you really didn't do anything to further address goal tending, uh, Lena Salmark really kind of took the reins of the starting job, um, as the season went on and Carter Hutton has just been just God awful as of late. Um, he went off to a great start. This got off to a great start this season. I believe he started off like six and zero, uh, and then proceeded to lose his next 10 plus starts after that. Um, abysmal state percentage, abysmal goals against, then, I mean, at, at least for bright spots, um, you know, I, I, for us, it's been such a treat seeing Jack Eichel, you know, really just take off this year. Um, you know, the first four seasons of his career, he was, um, you know, definitely what we were expecting we were getting when we had tanked and when we you know had made that draft pick and we had of course lost the draft lottery to Edmonton but you know at the end of the day we knew going into that that Jack Eichel was at least going to be what we were going to get at a bare minimum and he has just taken it to another level this season Um, you you know, if the Sabres were even somewhat in playoff contention right now, he would be in the Hart Trophy conversation just because of how good he's been and the way that he's able to just take over games and be a difference maker. Um, otherwise Sam Reinhardt, who I know we're going to be talking about here, um, is has been a, a cornerstone piece for the sabers um he's again trending towards another 70 point season and is is looking really good playing on jack's wing um ideally you know we want him separated because he's shown when, when given the opportunity that he can drive his own line but uh ralph kruger our, our new coach this season has, has seemingly decided that he wants to keep those two together um, otherwise, I mean, outside of those two and, and Rasmus Dahlin kind of getting his game back on after a slow start to the season, um, there has been not a whole lot of bright spots. Taylor, do you have anything you want to add?
1: Yeah. Uh, the real big, the big picture thing to me is since their nine, two and one start, they've been worse than everyone, except I think Detroit, and New Jersey, they have a mediocre prospect pool. It's unclear how good their last year's, uh, I think sixth overall pick Dylan Cousins will be. It's unclear uh, what kind of draft pick they'll have this year. Cousins has looked good for the record. True. He's in like the top, I think he's in
2: like the top True. three in scoring in the WHL and has just been lighting it up. So definitely True. a lot of eggs in the basket with him, but outside of him.
1: It, really it's, it's, yeah, yeah goaltending is a huge question mark. And yeah, things are bad. That more concise version is that there's not that much hope and it's very unclear what the, if they're going to keep their GM or what, what the future is with that or, or how they're even going to approach the offseason. It's all kind of up in the air and I would say it's trending bad. Very bad. As of
2: late, Sabre's Twitter has just been pretty much on fire and it has just been, it's gotten pretty ugly here. People are really up in arms towards it more than anything else, ownership and the general manager for just the lack of moves. Um, There have been a good amount of rumors going around about moves that could have been made or should have been made that weren't made. Um, and whether those those moves remain to be true or not, you know, we'll we'll see. But it's it's pretty disappointing knowing the potential of what could have happened, you know, coming into this year.
0: Now, from from the perspective of Sabres fans, it, I mean, it, it. I remember a few weeks back, uh, the G, the GM of the Oilers. They asked him about is the you know the Oilers trying to contend and whatnot, and he said, every year you have Connor McDavid, you're going to try and contend. Is that kind of where that disappointment comes from from Sabres fans? That you've got Jack Eichel, you've got that that franchise centerpiece player that everybody's always hoping to get, and just nothing's happened with it.
1: Yeah, one. Uh, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's year five for him now, and he's reached uh, definitely his prime. And like Brendan said, he he's one of the better forwards in the league now. And yeah, they don't seem that close to contending. It, it seems like a huge waste. It's and it's only year. I think it's year two of yep. his eight year contract. But I if it keeps going like this, it's tough to see him playing out that whole contract. Uh, one of the things is it's not that they're not competing. It's like they, these two years, it seems like they kind of were okay with not competing. Were okay with kind of wasting these years. In this not prime. being good enough. They didn't, they didn't seem interested in like, okay, we got to make the playoffs uh, the way Edmonton has kind of approached things. And obviously you can, you can make mistakes. You can, you can sign guys. You shouldn't, you can have gambles that don't pay off, but it's it's disappoint. it's more disappointing than any of that to have a gm who seems like eh, we're really going for 20 2020, 2021 when we have more cap space it's that's that, that's where the, you're you're right that's really where the disappointment stems from it's it's how little they seem to be interested in competing these past two seasons and
2: right now the sabers are on the cusp of missing the postseason for the ninth consecutive year and something that we've been really talking about lately uh on on our show is the fact that that has only happened three other times in NHL history, like three times this has happened. And you are about to, I mean, you have been, but you're about to cement yourself with just one of the most mediocre, you know, 10 year periods of hockey uh, in the history of the NHL. I mean, it's terrible. You're in a league where over half the teams make the playoffs in your conference, half the teams make it. You can't even be average. Like once in nine years to just kind of like stumble your way in there. So it's incredibly frustrating. I mean, you know, and that's kind of the thing looking at the big picture, the off season that's coming up is arguably the most important off season that the Sabres have had, in recent history, you know, you have Sam Reinhardt, his bridge deal is going to be up. He's going to be looking, I mean, hopefully we'll be getting a long-term deal with him. Um, Rasmus Dahlin and Henry Yokiharyu are both eligible for extensions. um, And Dahlin, especially, you absolutely 1 million percent need to lock up up long-term. You have a lot of guys coming off the books right now, you know, uh, the Zach Bogosians of the world who just have awful contracts. I mean, we're, we're going to have a ton of cap space coming up. And, and the thing is, is that the general consensus, I think among uh, the majority of Sabres fans is that we don't know if Jason Botterill is up for the job considering everything that's at stake. You know, this off season is really going to set the course for what this team is going to be for the next five to 10 years. And there's a lot of doubt right now in Buffalo that Jason Botterill has what it takes to be able to, you know fully maximize what like he's going to have for his hand in the upcoming offseason.
0: Yeah, and, and something that I guess I didn't realize about the Sabres till I started looking into it further. Looking at their looking at their page on cap friendly. I mean, as far as who's signed, there's only three forwards signed for next season that are currently on the roster from what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, other than Kyle Lacposo is injured right now, but it just I mean it really you're like you're saying this franchise can really remake its forward core in the off season. But I mean, cap space, if there's not free agents out there. You want to go get, I'm not sure how much use it is.
2: Well, the, the problem too, is that, I mean, why couldn't that have happened this season? You know, I, I guess to me, if, if your mindset is, you know, we're going to punt on this season because we want to wait till next year. So we're going to be okay with just being mediocre again. You know, you probably shouldn't be an NHL general manager, Um, One thing that we really discuss a a good amount on our show is just the fact of how popular hockey is here in the market. You know, when you get into the playoffs, you know, the the past several years, you know, and it's going to probably happen again this year where Buffalo is always a top five, top three market. And in a lot of cases, you know, Buffalo is having better viewership than teams, cities who are actually playing in the playoffs Um, you know, we're clamoring for, for a good hockey team. We're finally kind of have the bills on the right track and, you know, it's going on nine years of just no playoffs for the Sabres. It's pretty demoralizing. Um, but to your point though, about the upcoming season, yeah, I'm I'm, the off season. I mean, it's great, I guess that we're going to have so much flexibility, but again, it comes down to, you know, does this front office, you know, have what it takes to properly evaluate talent? You know, did you really think that, you were going to bring in Jimmy Vc and Marcus Johansson and that they were going to just figure out our, our problems with scoring. I mean, no, you, you can't think that. And if that's the case, then that's just further evidence that, you know, the, that Jason Botterill is not really cut out for this. Um, but I mean, you know, you do have pieces in place though. Like that's kind of the thing is that, you know, while the prospects uh, covered is, is pretty bare right now, the core of this team are all guys who are, you know, 24 and under with the exception of maybe Jeff Skinner, who's only 27, you know, you have Eichel, Reinhardt, Yoki Haru, uh, Darlene, Brandon Montour, Victor Olofsson, who's been amazing this year, but is unfortunately hurt right now. You know, you have pieces there in place where you could be a competitive team. You should be a competitive team. You have young top end talent. And you know, it's just the problem is that they haven't been able to fill out the rest of the roster and the prospect cupboard, with the exception of Dylan Cousins, and then in goal, Uko Pekalukinen, who's arguably you know one of the best goaltending prospects outside of the NHL right now. Beyond that, you don't really have a whole lot to work with. So, it, I mean, obviously, it's never a good thing relying on free agency. Um, there are certainly a few guys who, at least for for me, you know, that I've looked into that I think would be interesting additions to the roster but i mean just a lot of work has to be done um this you know this core should not be a team it should not be one that is just never making the playoffs because for how good jack eichel has been this year it would be scary to think about what he would do in the playoffs and in big games like that so you know definitely frustrating times in in Saberland. it's been a it's been a tough decade
0: no i yeah i mean i can understand that frustration with with you know, where Jack Eichel's at and, and not just not really seeming to get to the use out of him and, and getting to make runs like you were expecting. Cause you guys, I mean, you went through the tank to get, you know, that number one pick in the Eichel McDavid draft. And, you know, obviously you got Eichel, which is a great consolation prize, but to have that, I mean, that's been a few years and now to still not be what it feels like any closer. I Yeah.
2: The tank yeah. is the only thing that this organization has done right in the past ten years, honestly, like the tank worked and it was great and then just the rebuild that was supposed to happen after that just completely fall- fell through and a big problem for that is the fact that you know uh, the ownership or the, the front office hasn 't been able to make good hockey trades, you know, Columbus. I mean, you guys are the poster child for, for that with the Johansson for Seth Jones trade. I mean, that obviously has, has worked out pretty well on both ends. I, I would probably, you know, lean more towards you guys considering what Seth Jones has turned into, but um that's the thing. I mean, you know, Jason Botterill botched the Ryan O'Reilly trade. We, you know, you have a Selkie winning, uh, con Smythe winning two way forward that you pretty much just gave up for nothing and that move alone you know has set the franchise back quite a bit and is most definitely the worst trade that has happened in recent memory if not potentially you know it's definitely i would say probably a top five worst trade in franchise history so you haven't been able to do that um, you know, you have Rasmus Stalainen, who has been kind of at the center of trade talks for a very, very long time here, the past couple of years. And that, for whatever reason, has not happened yet. Um, so it, it's, you know, they just haven't been able to get it done and, and make this team at least somewhat competitive, you know. So
0: from, from your guys' perspective, I mean, as far as what, what position a need or what, what is it you think this team needs – that's kind of that number one thing to start trying to turn things around
1: scoring definitely that's it that's all we've
2: needed for the past nine years and they just refuse to address it
1: yeah it's so the way we've kind of looked at things uh with the sabers this year they have no goaltending which is a huge problem like obviously as well but i think that's a problem that could be solved in the offseason not easily but if you just sign or trade for a decent goalie and, and give it a shot or someone maybe who hasn't gotten a shot yet and give them a shot scoring's a little tougher uh they their underlying numbers aren't terrible and they also they kind of i would say they defend well not just with the defensive core but with the entire team kind of defends well and plays well in its own zone doesn't allow too many high danger shots but those high danger shots go in at uh, incredibly high rate because of our because of carter hutton basically uh but they have no scoring punch uh that's that's been a huge problem uh eichel obviously he's been able to score Reinhardt to Olofsson when he was healthy, was scoring and Skinner for the first half of the year. And he's in the, right now in the midst of a 17 game goalless drought. But beyond that, it's just, they have a a ton of guys who are perfectly fine NHLers play well in their own zone, but have no touch. Really. They're mostly either the real bottom six guys or fourth liners. They have a ton of them. That's Curtis Lazar, Rasmus Asplund, Johan Larson, Kyle Oposo in his later stages. Um, Zemius Gergensen, Michael Furlik now. They just have a ton of those guys. So to have at least one or two more guys that can real, reliably put the puck in the net 20 or more times a year is something they're they're greatly missing, especially with this uh, scoring uptick the NHL has been on for the last three years.
0: Okay, so uh, a <laughs> little peek behind the curtain for our listeners here, because the more we're talking, the more I'm thinking my original reason for setting this up with you guys may not may not work at all. <laughs> because the... <laughs> Because I, it, it, in Columbus, even though things are in a different perspective as far as where we're at, because the franchise is in a pretty good shape in a lot of ways, our main desire is the same thing. We don't get the scoring we need. Um, if if you've been following you know Jackets hockey at all in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. You've been hearing this the great story about Elvis Morris Lincoln's and the shutouts he's been getting.
2: Amazing, yes. honestly, with Corpy Salo going down after how well he was playing too. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, and and where the franchise has built itself well and where Yarmokek line is just underrated is so he's brought both these goalies in, but at the same time, we have a defense that doesn't allow a lot of great scoring chances. So when you have that and then good goalies behind it, you have you know you keep scores low. Um, but looking at the Blue Jackets roster, it is a lot of players who either have underperformed this season when it comes to scoring or just a lack of, I mean, you know, high end guys like what you're talking about, Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt. Uh, when I talk on our show about the Blue Jackets and our, our scoring ability, there's a lot of, we've got so many young guys will one of them develop into one of those top end, high-end guys so i you know the the more i think about it it's when we were setting this up i was thinking okay well we you know maybe we try and trade this guy or maybe we try and help them shore up their defense because that's where columbus has a a, just a a ton of riches is in their defensive core but from what you guys are saying that's not what you're even that's not even what buffalo's ever looking for at this point
2: well yeah i mean as far as like the sabers go you know i would say that a decent chunk of like the core moving forward is is I would probably assume to be set. I mean, you have Darlene, you have Henry Okihara, you Brandon Montour, <clears throat> Colin Miller. You know, those are are probably going to be like the top four guys. You Also, Lawrence Pilot, um, <clears throat> but. You know, I would agree, though, because, I, I mean, I follow the, the the Blue Jackets a good amount, and I know that you guys, like you said, you have a wealth of defensemen, and that's even without somebody like, for example, like Ryan Murray, who I know he's very injury-prone, but when he plays, I mean, he's been great for you guys, too. And so it, it also helps that you probably have, you know, like the best defensive pairing in the league with uh, Zach Warinsky and, and Seth Jones. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to your point, really, like, scoring is what it comes down to, and if there's a move to be made – you know, that's why I said like Rasmus Ristolainen the line and it's kind of been <clears throat> the centerpiece for what's supposed to be a, a big trade that was supposed to happen this past off season. It's supposed to happen during this season and it just hasn't happened yet, um, you know, to move him out for, you know, what you would assume to be probably a pretty solid forward um, in return. That's why I brought up like that Seth Jones for, for Ryan Johansson trade. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I would say from that perspective, I know when we had originally talked about this, you know, we had, we had thrown out around the idea of Sam Reinhardt. Um, and for one, I think both Taylor and I are, are huge fans of Sam Reinhardt. I mean, he is a legit top line forward, like consistent 70 point guy with a solid two way game. Um, he has elite vision, like some of the arguably the best vision on the team. Um, you know, his ability, like his hockey sense in, in general is just off the charts. And so, you know, when you talk about a guy like that, the return would be really high. I mean, I'm sure you would probably like scoff at this, but when you had brought up Sam Reinhart and knowing like what Columbus has, you know, in the organization and in the pipeline, um, I mean, my immediate thought was like, all right, if you want Sam Reinhart, then like give us Zach Wierenski back or something. Cause it, it would be a very, very high price, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean it's he's a high player, and it's it's funny because that was the name that was thrown out over the over the uh, summer when um well it wasn't during the summer it was like last year when uh there was the the Maple Leafs were having their deal with uh I can't remember his name now off the top of my head uh the guy there that they're always trying to trade um who the Nylander. Maple
2: believe they're trying to trade oh yeah. William Nylander?
0: the way the way he's always talked about in the media and stuff and I mean it's not that the Maple Leafs actually want to trade him but they always talk about it. And people were floating around the idea of Warinsky for Nylander. And, uh, you know, every market tends to overvalue their own guys. But it just – I mean, he is that kind of that top-end defenseman. But it's – yeah, I'm not – I mean, I don't know if the Blue Jackets had ever before that. But it it seems like where these two teams are kind of the inverse of each other a little bit is in that forward core. Because when I look at the Blue Jackets, it's something where, you know, second, third, fourth liners, it feels like, yeah, we're great. But we just don't seem to have that – top-end high-end guys in the
2: same way to play with like Pierre-Luc Dubois you mean yeah yeah, yeah. I mean it's I mean maybe. it's tough with losing Panarin especially like I, I can imagine you know and and that's kind of the thing we're I guess a little bit in the, yeah like you said like the inverse of that I mean we have Jack Eichel we have Sam Reinhardt and Victor Olofsson like that was our top line that was doing very well you know Jeff Skinner played on Eichel's wing last year and scored 40 goals you know we're good there we just do not have a legitimate second line center. We don't have a second line right winger. Uh, and it's, you know, our our bottom nine forwards are just guys that are seemingly either, you know, fringe third liners or pretty solidly fourth liners. Whereas with you, like you said, I mean, you have, you know, like Oliver Bjorkstrand, I feel like is a perfect example of that. Like he has been lighting it up this year. Um, and he's like a, a perfect example of like kind of like a middle six guy who – you know, at least in my mind is, is the kind of guy you need on, on a successful team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it it is a little bit of that, you know, every time you hear how good uh, Panarin's doing, it's almost a little twist of the knife because I I look at where this team's at right now. And I think if, if our Panarin was still on this team, how (laughs) much better and how dangerous would they be? Ridiculous.
2: That'd be ridiculous.
0: Yeah. It's one of the things on our show that's kind of been hitting over and over again, where it's like, you know, if, Man, this team would have been real
2: dangerous for years to come if he'd signed that eight-year deal they were offering him. So, how yeah, do you feel I, about Nyquist? I know he was like the big forward acquisition. Uh, I, I mean, how do you how do you guys feel about how he's performed this year? Uh, I I we love him. Um,
0: I, this is this has turned out the way we kind of thought it would, where it was somebody who's going to be. I mean, he's not going to score tons of goals. Again, he's not going to be a, a seventy-point guy or anything crazy. But he's just gonna give you great minutes. He's going to create offense as far as that goes. Um, he, oddly enough, fills a weird hole the Blue Jackets have, have had for years, which is, for a long time, the Blue Jackets have not been able to score empty net goals. I, I, it's a weird thing to say, huh. but when you're, you know, when you're up by one and you're trying to hold a lead for the last minute or two and there's, they got a sixth guy on the ice, for the last couple of years, the Blue Jackets had to fight to that last second but Gustav Nyquist has got, like, five empty netters this year. Just, you know, that kind of thing where you, you close it out. And he's been a really good playmaker on this team. I've, I've enjoyed having him. Um, it's kind of – the year before that, we signed Riley Nash to a deal. After he had some big – it was, like, 20-goal season in Boston or something. And mm-hmm. we kind of thought we were getting something good there, but that, that deal hasn't turned out to be nearly as good as we thought it was when it was signed. But with Nyquist, we're getting exactly what we thought. We're getting – a solid playmaking forward that can you know score goals when he needs to but he's he opens up the ice a lot for all of the other players so I I we're pretty happy with him never heard of it
2: <laughs> could not be, fam- <laughs> cannot be familiar with something like that <laughs> would know anything about it <laughs> yeah and it's it's just a, a I don't
0: know. don't he's been a good a good addition for this team and and I've been yeah we've been happy with him here so we're yeah, it's just strange that we're kind of in that opposite place of you guys where I'm I'm hoping that maybe one of our prospects turns into that top-end kind of guy because as we learned with Artemi Panarin, those guys don't grow on trees around here. Right, yeah. right. Uh, I mean, Panarin was probably, like, on pure skill, the most skilled player to ever be a Blue Jacket. And it's... it's, yeah. Trick, it, it's yeah, it's disheartening when he's gone and then you're like, ah. And then you're just having to grind out all these games, but... But overall, the organization has got so much depth that's been built up that this gate team's still been able to win a lot of games, even without him or Bobrovsky or Matt Duchesne or any of those guys that left.
2: Right. Question for my fantasy hockey team. Do you think that Salo is going to take over the starting job when he comes back? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what I think is going to happen –
0: because uh, this team's in a weird place. Because if you look, if you look at cap friendly, both Jonas Corposalo and Elvis Murs-Lincolns are RFAs after this year. What I, what because so for this organization, answering the question of who's going to be your number one going forward is starting to become a real thing. I would almost expect for you to see almost like a schedule of them going back and forth, like two games on, two games off, two games okay. off. Uh, I mean Jonas Corpusalo, he was gonna be in the all-star game until he got hurt. Right, right. I mean, it's yeah. it's so weird to think about that, how we went from that to this. Now, if if you put a if I had to say something today about which one I think the team would go with, I think it'd be Elvis Smith Lincoln's. If they had to make the decision tomorrow. And a lot of that is this organization's been high on him for years. Um uh, to some people, if you don't follow this team closely, it might seem like he just kind of came out of nowhere. No, they have been waiting on this guy to show up. Right. And it was even to the point when Sergey Bobrovsky signed his last contract, Elvis signed a matching one when he was playing in Europe, essentially timing it up so that when Bob Bobrovsky's contract was up, he would then get to make the decision, oh, if Bob's leaving the Blue Jackets, then I'll go over and play.
2: Right, right. I
0: mean, he was that confident that he was going to step in and be the starter. <laughs> Well, we'll take Corpisalo Solo if you don't want him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's going to be something that's going to happen there. And I, it would not shock me to see a trade. Um, I, I mean, again, it, it's the kind of thing where this team's going to be looking for scoring or, I don't know, any, honestly, any any assets they can move. Or or if there's some kind of three-way deal to be done with getting another team in, that might not be a bad way for it to go. But, but yeah, we would uh, – I, I can understand wanting to get somebody like that to back it up as a as a
2: Blue Jackets fan. It's been a long time since I had to watch a team without good goaltending. That's that's how we were up until Ryan Miller left. We had Miller and Hasek. Well, we had Hasek and Miller back to back, so we were pretty spoiled here for for a very long time in Buffalo. So we we can relate to that. <laughs> and Now we have Carter Hutton. <laughs> oh, how times oh, man. change! Yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> no, I, uh, I I I. I
0: See, I feel for you guys, and I feel like I have a strong connection point because I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. Oh, Oh, man. And so I I know that feeling of just years of things just being like, oh, come on. And then, you know, this coming into this year, there were all these expectations, and then it just – the bottom fell out of it. And it's – I don't know. It's almost – it's kind of feels somewhat similar with you guys right now. It's like, okay, we've got some talent. We have some guys we think we can build around, but just – you know, we just fired another GM, fired another coach, getting all new people again, and we'll see what happens. But
1: sounds yeah. like the Bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly, you, you guys are at 17 years now for your drought, right? That's that's the same thing we were at. Um, oh, yeah, and yeah. we in 2017, very uh, that was I would say extremely unexpected. Uh, made the playoffs, so hey, you, you never know. It'd be far less unexpected for you guys to to break your drought in 17 years as well. So, I, yeah, yeah, I
0: mean, it's it's the kind of thing. You know, what if? Uh, there was even the possibility if, uh, if Miles Garrett doesn't, doesn't swing a helmet at someone that they still might have been able to pull it off this year. But, yeah, that wasn't yeah. in the cards. So.
2: Very Man. true. Very true. Well, best of luck to you.
0: <laughs> you guys as well. Good luck going forward. And, and you know, I, I want to see things turn around in Buffalo. I, I, part of me really wants to see, you know, I, I want to I I see Maple Leaf fans stress about Buffalo having to be good because my secret one so of my
2: yeah. <laughs> what that's, am I, that's uh, advice right there. Yeah. Angry Maple Leafs fans. Ooh, <laughs> nothing better than that. It's a lot of fun. Even though they haven't won anything in a long time, it's just
0: fun seeing that whole area kind of freak out when right. things go wrong or things aren't according to plan. And yeah,
1: yeah honestly I, I, in the bright spot of this season is the fact that they might not make the playoffs. <laughs> that would be something to see that with that team. Really though. Yeah,
2: that would be pretty nuts. I'm sure the meltdown in Toronto would uh, get probably a little bit crazier than what we're going through right now. Knowing uh, knowing them up there, that would honestly, be nuts. that would really open the door for a fun panic trade. But, uh, <laughs> oh my
0: goodness, wouldn't that be something? Yeah, that'd be nuts. If only,
2: if only, fingers crossed. Moving yeah. forward, seriously.
0: Well, thank you guys very much for, for uh, having a chat with me today, and, and thank you very much, and good luck to the, the Sabres going forward.
2: Hey, thank you. Likewise to you guys. I, I think uh, the Blue Jackets will probably be one of the teams I'm rooting for down the stretch. I'm sure Taylor could say the same. So yes. we'll, uh, we'll be hoping for you guys. should be a fun, fun finish to the season, and we'll have to, we'll have to do this again sometime. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. All right, take it easy. Thank you for having us on. Thanks.
0: This has been the Shoot Once podcast. Follow us on Twitter at shootoncepod.